This is Cora. Hello. Hello. It's the first Sunday of Lent. Uh, yeah. But Easter's coming. So last week we kind of introduced this season of Lent and, and talking about it. And uh, for the next several Sundays, we're going to be exploring different texts that uh, have Lenten themes. Uh, and specifically, we're going to be following what's called the lectionary. If you're not familiar with the lectionary, it's a schedule of scripture texts and readings uh, that are followed. And there's three years to it, year A, B, and C. We happen to be in year C. And uh, the text for this morning is a fairly well-known story. It's the story of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, Jesus uh, fasting and praying for 40 days and then being tempted uh, by Satan. And so we're going to explore that text today and see what it might have to say to us today. Before we jump in, let's say a word of prayer. God, thank you for your very presence here with us. This morning, I pray that you would give us a fresh look at this story. Continue to shape and form us in the way of Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Cora, you're on. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. Okay. Uh, forgot to let you know, if you want to follow along, we're in Luke 4. So this story is in the Gospel of Matthew, it's in the Gospel of Mark, it's in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, this morning we're looking at telling of this story. And so we're told that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit goes into the wilderness, and for 40 days uh, he fasted and prayed, and then the devil comes and tempts him. And it says after 40 days he was hungry. Uh, thanks for stating the obvious, Luke. Uh, so of course Jesus is hungry, and, and, and he comes to be tempted. So this is one of the texts where we get this idea of the 40 days of Lent, that Jesus fasted for 40 days. And last week I left you with a couple of questions to consider. Next slide. What is preventing you from experiencing deeper transformation? Or what distractions in your life hinder a deeper relationship with God? And I simply invited us to consider this, and is there something in our lives that God is inviting us to give up, at least for a season? Uh, there's no necessary act of giving something up for Lent. It's not required. But I, I know that for me in my own personal life, I have found it very helpful during this season, uh, a season where we reflect on, on uh, our mortality, a season where we practice in, in greater ways this way of self-denial. And what does it look like to uh, prayerfully consider, God, what are things that are getting in the way of my relationship with you? And what would it look like? to release that. Uh, I think a really easy one for many of us is to consider the, this modern addiction to our devices. And, and in what ways, what, what ways might we during this season at least limit ourselves from those devices to reflect more 
on God and who God is inviting us to be. And so Jesus is in the wilderness, and he's been fasting for 40 days, and Satan comes and... The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Okay, so first temptation is Jesus is hungry, so here's a way to not be hungry anymore. Turn these stones into bread. And what we know of Jesus and what Jesus would later do in this amazing miracle of multiplying the loaves and the fishes, it certainly seems that Jesus has the capability to do what he's being tempted to do, to turn these stones into bread. The the Israelites had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and been given this bread from heaven, manna. And, And the temptation here is, hey, create this miracle right now, right here, yourself. And Jesus responds with scripture and says, man shall not live on bread alone. That there is a deeper hunger and a more nourishing food than physical food. In many ways, this temptation, next slide, is a temptation to self-preservation and or self-indulgence. It's this uh, taking care of my own needs. I need to take care of myself. I need to look after myself. I need to uh, preserve my self. And uh, Jesus is not into self-preservation or self-indulgence. He, he rejects this first command. This is, uh, in some ways, a temptation to the, the quick fix. We live in a fast food culture. We go, 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 and we want to uh, make quick decisions and, and fix things quickly. And this is like uh, settling for going through the drive through at McDonald's when there's a banquet feast waiting for us. Uh, C.S. Lewis has this this great essay in it. He talks about how so often we settle for making mud pies in the street when a holiday at the sea is waiting for us. Uh, this is the temptation to the quick fix. This is the temptation to uh, get it my way right away. And Jesus says, no, there, there is something more. Man will not live on bread alone. There is something greater. Uh, a couple of questions to reflect on with this temptation. Where in your life are you trying to create security on your own terms and your own timeline? Uh, in what ways are you self-indulgent? Where, where are you trying to create security for yourself when the invitation is to rest in relationship with God and trust the Creator God? of the universe. Uh, The burning question, there's a burning question with each of these temptations. The burning question for this is, will I have enough? Will I have enough? And if we live with the lie that we don't have enough, we will pursue more and more and more. Uh, Where in your life do you feel like you don't have enough? What does it look like to rest in God's love and simply trust that you already have enough, that everything you have is from God and is gift and will be provided for. Go ahead. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Okay, 
So now this second temptation, they're actually told in a different order in Luke than they're told in Matthew. Here the second temptation is this temptation to, to have everything now. All the kingdoms of the world. That This uh, idea of the Messiah coming and, and what Jesus knew his vocation was, which was to walk this path of suffering and death. Uh, Satan is tempting Jesus, saying, hey, there's a way around that. I'll give you everything now. All you have to do is worship me. This is a temptation to power. It's a temptation to, to position. It's a temptation to gaining more power and control. And Jesus simply says no. And he again quotes scripture to Satan and rejects this temptation to power. Henry Nouwen has this great quote where he says, power offers an easy substitute to the hard task of love. It seems easier to be God than to love God. Easier to control people than to love people. Easier to win life than to love life. Ever since Genesis 3, there's been this desire for control. This desire to, to have control of our lives, to, to have control of that which uh, is in our realm of responsibility. Uh, I find it fascinating uh, for those in recovery that the first step of the 12 steps is to admit our own powerlessness uh, until we can admit that we are powerless, that we actually don't have control. Uh, we will keep grasping for control. We will keep trying to control everything in our lives. And the invitation from God is to release control and let go. Jesus would later say this, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Uh, the invitation to Jesus is, here, here it is, all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus simply knows, uh, I'd be selling my soul. When we live our lives attempting to control, we're bowing down to something other than God. We are bowing down to a different way than what God invites us into, which is open hands and trust and releasing control. So next slide, a couple of questions with this temptation. Uh, the burning question here is, will I have control? And it's rooted in this place of fear that I won't have control. And when we fear we're, we don't have control, we can either release that to God or try grasping it and getting a hold of it again and try controlling it. Uh, the simple invitation from Jesus is to release control and, and recognize we never really had it to begin with. Third temptation. Then the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Okay, so... Interesting twist here in the third temptation. In the first two, Jesus quotes scripture back to Satan to reject the temptation. Third temptation, what does Satan do? He quotes scripture. <laughs> 
He's like, oh, okay, Jesus, you're going to quote, I know scripture, and quote scripture back at Jesus. Uh, here's the sad reality. This beautiful gift, this sacred text that we have been given, can be abused. It can be used to control and manipulate. And it's sadly in the history of the church, this has happened over and over and over again. And we simply need to name that as spiritual abuse. That the scriptures have been used to control and manipulate people. And here we see the devil tempting Jesus by using scripture. Hey, the sacred text, it says, he'll keep you safe. He'll command his angels concerning you. You'll be just fine. Uh, and so we need to be extremely careful in how we handle this sacred text and the way we read it, the way we use it, the way we communicate it. As someone who's been entrusted to teach this text, I do not take that lightly, that this text can be abused. It can be used to control and manipulate. And this is what Satan is doing here. And he's saying, cast yourself down. This is the temptation to, to get attention, to look good, uh, to be accepted. Uh, next slide. In other words, it's the temptation to believe you are not enough and you must do something else to manage people's perception of you. It is a preoccupation with image and the perceptions of others. It's this desperate longing to be viewed as capable. It's this desperate longing to be viewed as uh, sufficient. And it's this desperate longing to be accepted and simply in some ways unable to recognize you are already enough. You are already accepted. Next slide. Uh, where in your life are you attempting to look good? I think this is a, a question we all can deeply wrestle with. Uh, where in your life are you attempting to look good? Uh, we all put on these images. The, these uh, We want to look good to people. I, I want to look like I'm a really good husband and a really good father and a good friend. And uh, the simple reality is I'm a deeply flawed and broken person. And until we can own the brokenness and the flaws, uh, we will just keep putting these faces on. We'll keep building up our image. Uh, Cora knows very well that I'm deeply flawed and broken, don't you? <laughs> you do. You do. Uh, so the burning question here, will I be accepted? Will I be accepted? And again, all three of these temptations, I believe, are, are rooted in some type of fear. This one is the fear that I won't be accepted. Uh, the fear that I won't have enough, fear I won't be in control, the fear I won't be accepted. And until we can face those fears, that, that, that anxiety, uh, and recognize we're already enough, we were never in control to begin with, uh, yeah, and that we're already accepted, that God is a God of love who has made us enough and has already accepted us into his love from the beginning.
So, little uh, look at all three here. Stones to bread is the temptation for prosperity and preservation. Temple jump, the temptation for popularity or creating an image. Uh, the offer of the kingdoms, the temptation for power, position, and control. There is a temptation behind the temptations, though. And I've mentioned this here before, but it's important to recognize that before Jesus went into the wilderness, before Jesus was tempted, he was baptized. And when he was baptized, Luke 3 tells us that a voice from heaven said, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Two of the temptations begin with this. If you are the Son of God. The temptation behind the temptation is to believe the lie that you are not already accepted, not already loved, not already God's child. And when we function in life believing the lie that our, our deepest identity, that which is deepest within us, is found rooted in a God of love who has called us by name, and declared his love for us. We will live with these fears that we don't have enough, we're not in control, we're not accepted, when the declaration has already been, you are mine, you are loved, you are accepted, I'm pleased with you. Next slide. Meister Eckhart says, though we are God's sons and daughters, we do not realize it yet. We often live believing the lie that it's not true, it can't be true of me, when it is deeply true. Paul says in Romans, those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so we could reflect on this text about uh, the temptations and say, uh, just look at areas of our life that are deeply flawed and broken and walk out of here feeling bad about ourselves. Or we could look at this story as a deep reminder of who we are. And that the temptations are simply a distraction from living into who we were created to be. Next slide. The temptations are always of distorting, disorienting, and distracting us from our true identity and vocation to be fully and truly human carriers of the divine as we live a life of self-giving love. Uh, the invitation is to wake up more fully to who we already are in God and to live from that place. That is the deep invitation from God. So this morning, as we come and we take the bread and dip it in the cup, uh, let's go all the way to the last slide, Kate. 
I have three questions here, and I want you to just pick one. One that you relate to or connect to more fully. Pick one and reflect on that question. And I want to invite you to come and take the bread and dip it in the cup and give that to God. Uh, what does it look like to release this, this lie that you don't have enough? What does it look like to release this lie of control, power and control? What does it look like to release this lie of not being accepted? And simply give that to God and receive from God this nourishment, this reminder of God's love, this reminder that Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Jesus models this way of self-giving love. Jesus models this way for us that we are invited to live away from the distractions that keep us from living into that way of life. Jesus says, this is my body given for you. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup and he said, this is a cup of the new covenant in my blood. Drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. God, remind us this morning of your deep, deep love for us. That you have already declared we are enough. You've already declared we are accepted. You've invited us into a life of trust. Trusting that you are holding us in your love. Wake us up more and more to who you created us to be. Empower us by your spirit to live into the way of love and life. And give you thanks. In the name of Jesus. Amen.